Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. What is happening, my podcast people? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just obviously a little raspy voice, in case you have uh, missed it. Got a little uh, vocal nodules on my cords, my vocal cords, as it were. But the doctor says it's something to be concerned about. My voice is just changing a little bit, and um, he doesn't recommend surgery. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. What I am here to tell you about is this awesome episode today with Keith Buckley from Many Eyes. If you are a fan of Keith Buckley, you know his name. You know what band he's been in. He obviously played in Every Time I Die. And the new project he has called Many Eyes. It's going on tour with Thursday Rival Schools. They are hitting the road, I think, starting later this month and then all through February. And I know that all the songs that they've put out thus far are really, really flipping good. And uh, I highly suggest that you check them out if you have not. And um, Keith and I get into it because uh, we have a history. We tour together back in the day. And um, yeah, Keith is just a very thoughtful and intelligent individual. And I loved being able to pick his brain about, you know, being raised within the Buffalo hardcore scene and just kind of, you know, being able to understand all of the in- intricacies that his life has thrown him. And it's, uh, it's a great, great chat. So that's what we got. But I want to tell you about the ways you can reach out to the show. 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Obviously, accept any and all inquiries, pieces of information you want to share, whatever it is. Always down for that. And if you would not mind leaving a rating and or review on the Apple Podcast page, that helps out tremendously. Same thing can be said about Spotify. Just leave a rating on there. All of those things help out tremendously. There's a reason why all the podcasts in the world ask you to do that. And I just want this show to be discovered by people who should be listening to it. Because, you know, if you care about independent music, like it's maybe not the easiest thing to find. So, you know, when you hear from friends or you hear from algorithms shooting your direction, you're going to check it out. 
and continuing on in the the weekly tradition of the 2024 recommendations. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to all of these collected musical musings <laughs> I am recommending on a week-to-week basis because, uh, you know, we all like new stuff to check out. And the thing that I'm recommending this week is the new Fuming Mouth record called Last Day of Sun. Fuming Mouth. I, I mean, obviously... For anybody paying attention to independent music, know that Mark has had, you know, gone through a battle of cancer and he has emerged on the other side and, you know, still some repercussions as far as that's concerned. But the Fuming Mouth record is so damn good. Came out of Nuclear Blast late last year. I want to say like October or November. So it didn't have enough time to like seep in and make my year end of, you know, all the lists that we do put together. But That doesn't mean that the record is not good. It is worth your time. I freaking love it. If you like anything metal and or hardcore adjacent, you will love this Fuming Mouth record. So again, I put a link in the show notes every week. You can check out a compilation of all the things that I'm recommending. So uh, please do that. Now let's talk to Keith and him talking about many eyes and just his whole life in general. So here is Keith. I am the weapon of your righteousness. My first memory of uh, the you and every time I die in general was I remember Chris Logan from Goodfellow Records mm-hmm. sent me the burial plot bidding war, but this was the um, limited edition that you guys did with like the you know photo on the oh, cover, yeah, like it was like rare. Yeah. Oh, oh, dude, for sure, I still have it because I'm that much of a nerd. But oh, that's great. Yeah, I I just I was really captured by not only what you guys were putting out there, but just the fact that it was like, for lack of a better term, um, like an intelligent version of what metalcore was doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're just like, yeah, you know, you, you're thinking man's hardcore, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, I know that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the origin stories of, you know, you guys starting in Buffalo and everything like that, but I, I never really saw or heard articulated, like, who you guys were basically trying to rip off at the beginning. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. who you were like, here's our building blocks of what it is that we're going to do a poor job, yeah. you know, ripping off, but then <laughs> yeah. we'll sound like what we do, you know? Yeah. Um, so where did that, you know, I, I, I guess that's a, a hacky question as far as like, where's the inspiration? But like, you know, every band starts there. Yeah, I, uh, I personally really wanted to sound like a band called Dead Guy. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so they were, uh, as far as I was concerned, like Simon, who sang for that band, his lyrics were just so sarcastic and cynical. And he just had these, you know, he was playing with words well. And I was like, this guy is, he's smart and he's funny. And I, I feel like he has personality. Um, and a lot of the, the, the vocalists back then, um, I, I think, you know, had a lot of personality, but his really stuck out to me. So I wanted the band to sound like that. And I vaguely remember everyone else kind of agreeing and also putting in um, Converge and Coalesce into the, into the melting pot there. Um, but I was, I remember not being a fan of Converge. Like I I was just like, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't get Converge. And then, um, 
yeah, everyone's like, it's an acquired taste. Like, you just got to listen to it more. And I'm like, why would I listen to something more if I don't like it? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. And uh, they're like, no, 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 just, just trust us. Just, just listen to it more. And I did. And they're still now they're still one of my favorite bands, you know, they, they were spot on with that. So um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of that kind of noisy, um, discordant stuff that we just wanted to copy because it, it, it felt like it was a good, it was like a plausible deniability. Like, it was okay to put riffs together that didn't naturally go together. And it was okay to have one thing play four times and another thing play three times because you forgot that it played four times the first time, you know? And it was like, oh, we meant to do that. We meant to do that. This is noise core. We're, we're trying to throw you off. And, you know, it was, right. it was, it was anti-music. Um, and I got that. I mean, I, I loved it. I loved the idea of it. It was very counterculture to me. And um, But there was just a part of me that was I was dying for some, like, there has to be a personality to this, you know, there has to be some sort of humor or there has to be some intelligence because I, I want to stick out, you know, and that's, um, that's, it's kind of how it started. Yeah. And not to be too pedantic about this, but the, you were, you, you said dead guy, but I imagine you were mentioning drowning man. Oh, you said I'm sorry. Drown, well, so, yes. Dr okay. So yeah, sorry. Drowning and man. Dead guy. Yeah. Drowning, but right. also dead guy. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah. Drowning man was, was Simon. Yes. Um, I think they were from Burlington, Vermont, or something very strange. Yeah, yeah. Totally, uh, no, totally. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I think that you know that definitely I could see the you know not the influence of like yes, like there's the you know witty song titles or whatever, yeah. but like your point is completely lands on me, and I know many people who gravitated towards your music because it was this you know, for lack of a better term, there was a lot of self-seriousness about like, you know, being dark and yeah. overly aggressive. Yeah. And like, it, it wasn't like people leaned away from it because I mean, clearly your band did that as well. But like you said, there was more beyond just kind of this, you know, artifice that you were putting out there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, it, it got to a point eventually where it was like, okay, I I feel like maybe this is good. It's, it's kind of become too funny and people aren't taking us seriously enough you know um maybe and maybe it was too much thought and too little feeling but i think going back and forth um with that was probably like the through line of the entire career it was just like are we being taken too seriously or are we being not taken seriously enough and you know oscillating back and forth was kind of how how we just kept moving forward for, for me, as far as I was concerned of like, I have so much to say, but if I say it, are people going to realize that I'm being serious or going to, they think I'm being sarcastic. I kind of had painted myself into a corner and it was one of those things where it's like, no, I'm really in pain here. And everyone's just like, Oh, wow, that's really cool, man. You're like cool lyrics. It's like, no, I'm begging for help. Please listen to me. Like, and it was like, Oh, totally. man, that's really funny. And I'm like, Nope, seriously, I have a problem. You know? And so, right. It's like it became the you know boy who cried wolf. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, no, I literally could not be more literal in what I am asking right here. Right, right. But, yeah, I remember like I, I there was a lyric where I, I said, "This is all very literal." Like, and I still couldn't get people to take me seriously. And I was like, "All right, I kind of fucked myself here." <laughs> totally the the proverbial jumping the shark. So yeah, to speak. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pull a few of those threads a little bit later, but, um, you know, just kind of like laying the groundwork of the, you know, biographical information. I know like born and raised in Buffalo, yeah. obviously, you know, your home life of, you know, your brother and your sister mm -hmm. in the house. Did you have any other siblings or was that it? No, that was it. That was it. 
Okay. And mom and dad in the house, I know, like yep. pretty sort of quote unquote standard Very suburb standard living. suburban life. Yep. Yeah. Um, was Buffalo, because I mean, it, that is a weird ass town, obviously. Um, yeah. And yeah. did you feel it like being, I, I guess, I mean, every kid feels their town being oppressive at some point in their mm-hmm. lives, but did you feel that, I guess, weight of Buffalo on you or no? I mean, I, I, I like to pretend that I did um, because it just made for a better storyline. Um, but I mean, I was still so young that coming up, I didn't. I was, you know, it was a fucking playground for for us. I mean, honestly, the the city was so run down that there wasn't anything we couldn't do. You know, there was there was no bar we couldn't sneak into. There was no building we couldn't break into. I mean, it wasn't an awful place to be um, until I left, and then I came back and I was like, oh, whoa, 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 this is not how like what normal cities are like. Like, there's there's art out there, there's culture out there, there's more than sports out there. You know. Um, but you grew you grew up here, and especially my age, I was born in 1979. So the the, the most um, the most influential years of my life, the most vulnerable as far as like intellectually uh, years of my life go. I, I I just remember everyone being depressed and drunk because the Bills had lost four Super Bowls in a row, and you know that was that's like when I'm supposed to be like blossoming and finding out who I am, and the whole city is just under this dark cloud of of loss and you know our psyche was broken as a as a whole city and i don't think that's something we ever recovered from um but it was very very i just remember it just being like just completely deflating for me being like 13 14 15 and just seeing like you know men crying that you looked up to and you're like what is going on in this world like what this doesn't matter outside of buffalo but everyone here this is this is all everyone is doing and so it it became a very strange dance to like keep touring and leaving and coming home and you know the compare and contrast thing was the more i did that the more i felt the oppression of the city for sure yeah no <laughs> and i i like that like i mean your perspective gets widened as you mentioned mm-hmm. the more you get out there and travel and even if it's just you know going to syracuse yeah. and like the two-hour difference of being like why is this so different yes. than where i'm from right exactly exactly <laughs> there was just so much I, I couldn't believe it um and another thing too was that was really strange was you know us just being right on the border of canada we were influenced by a lot of canadian music and canadian movies and things like that and you just assume everyone else sees and hears these things but then you go you know to ohio and nobody's ever heard of the tragically hip and you're like the tragically hip is you know that's just an example but you know that's 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 the band that you hear on the radio all the time and they're huge in buffalo and you know they could sell out the, uh, the baseball stadium but nobody you go an hour south and nobody's even heard of them you're like how does that work i don't understand how that works you know what 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 stops the spread of of music of like intellectual property as if there's like a, a fucking border wall there. I just didn't understand it, but I still really don't. It, <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. I, I don't think, especially, I mean, now in this digital day and age mm-hmm. where it's like the, the world is flattened and everybody doesn't matter where you live. Like yep. people can be creative and, you know, yeah. pull stuff from anywhere. Right. But to your point of just that regional nature that existed where it's like, you know, yeah, you, you could be like, yo, have you heard Left for Dead or you Yeah, know? exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, so I can't say that, you know, and that's the thing, it just I had to kind of just drop it from my vernacular. I couldn't say like, yeah, I I really love New Day Rising growing up. They're a huge influence on me. Nobody knows who New Day Rising is. Nobody's no. going to know who Grade is. But 
they they were awesome, you know. I, I mean, and they were hugely influential on me. But I have, you know, I, so I, I'm like, well, everyone knows Snapcase, so I say Snapcase, you know, because it's just it's a common language. <laughs> totally, totally, and it, it it is. I love like I mean, Buffalo was so interesting from that fact because it was so easy for bands to you know sneak across the border, play shows in Buffalo, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I I read something where your first show was in Hamilton. Yes, which for, is very first show. Yep. That's hilarious. I mean, and first of all, most people obviously have no idea mm-hmm. that Hamilton, but I presume, did you play the Pine Room? Is that where you played no, your first show? No, but we did. Or? We did play the Pine Room eventually. We actually played, it was called the Sonic Onion and it was a CD store oh, yes. we played upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I love, yeah. <laughs> Big shout out to Chris Logan for putting shout on Shout out to spot. Chris Logan. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just <clears throat> I love that idea of what you're talking about. Where like just yeah, having all of these undiscovered gems where you're just like, mm-hmm. listen, I can't I can't drop this because people are going to have no clue of what I'm talking about. And I right. just look like I'm you know like I'm trying to uh-huh. purposefully bring these things up to stump people. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't I didn't want to be that guy. It's like, well, you know, I was listening to New Day Rising's demo when they did the split with uh, whatever. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, hour, yeah. Oh wait, so, okay. So Hourglass, Hourglass. I, I lived with the yeah. I, I lived with the singer of Hourglass like in hourglass prime when new day rising like kind of decided that they were going to try to be hourglass so they put out this record like called like memoirs of cynicism i think was the record of course and yeah and, yeah yeah, and yeah. i was I, I was just watching this band that i loved in canada try to like m- mimic the stylings of this guy that i was living with who hated his own band and didn't care about hardcore and if you i don't know if you remember too much about hourglass but they they couldn't have been any more indifferent they were like the cool kids before there were cool kids you know so it was like it was just so fucking strange to me to be in the middle of that and know that it was like an american and canadian thing and they could do this back and forth because it wouldn't affect each other even though it was literally like a 20 minute drive from one show at the pine room to you know the vfw hall downtown Right. No, that it's so funny you say that about Hourglass because it definitely not only is it a deep cut, but like there were so many bands of that era too that I just like incorrectly thought were from like, oh yeah, they're from like Santa Barbara, the ebullition scene and stuff like that. But like, you know, Hourglass no. was never a part of that. No. Neither was New Day Rising on Eulogy Records. But like, I remember to your point of just like, they were one of the earlier bands that I heard where it's like, Oh, you can sing and scream, yeah. and this is all coming from Southern Ontario. Yeah, like great, like this is so wild. Yes, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> yeah. I, I swear that, like Chris Gray, when I heard New Day Rising, I, I, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh my god, this dude is screaming and singing, and he's <laughs> totally. like, he's almost like there's parts where he's like almost rapping. It's like he's just talking so fast yes. that he's almost rapping. I'm like this dude could do it all. And then I mean, I just I love that band so so much, but um. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I love one of those things. I love that. that. You just who do you talk to about that? I mean, I've been I, apparently I've been waiting to talk to you about this for a long time. I got some hot <laughs> totally. takes. I got some takes. Oh man, <laughs> hey man, we could we could just do our own separate podcast about Southern we Ontario. Should, we should. <laughs> Dave Bushmeyer. Oh, shout out to oh, Dave Bushmeyer. I hope, I hope all those guys are are well. I mean, I I haven't seen any of them in a very long time, but yeah, they were no, such they, an influential they're, they're, part of my childhood. Yeah, no, I love that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in speaking of that, like where, I mean, I know that you had music in your house as far as your, uh, self-described parents mm-hmm. were, you know, hippies and obviously playing music, yeah. and, you know, just, and I, I appreciate the, uh, James Taylor shout out that I know you've given to oh, oh, yeah. a lot of, uh, oh, yeah. previous interviews and yeah. stuff, but when did, um, you know, like more independent punk and hardcore, that sort of stuff, like how did it get introduced to you? Cause you, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the oldest of yeah. the siblings, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so the, the punk punk stuff kind of came in through through the back door. Um, I I was really into rap, um, and I think that I really liked rap because um, it was like when NWA was coming out, and they were just making MTV News all the time. And I knew that parents were in an uproar. So I was like, if if parents hate it, then I'm gonna love it. You know, I don't know what it's about, but. It's from this magical place called Compton. I've never heard of it. It seems like it's just the wild, wild west out there. But everyone is cool. They look cool. They sound cool. So I'm going to go buy the tape and then, you know, end up like NWA. Okay, so now I like NWA and I I start getting into rap more. And it's like EPMD. I remember like an EPMD from Rob Bass, like all these rappers, Cypress Hill. Um, And so then I get... uh, attack of the killer bees and i was like you know i was like well okay this is it's public enemy i loved public enemy as well and they were teaming up with this band called anthrax that i had never heard of you know but um i was familiar with like some you know some hessians on the bus had like a anthrax patch on so i assumed they must be a metal band but i was like well if they're if they're cool with public enemy and i love public enemy then i'm gonna love anthrax and i did so then it was like okay now i'm into like this now I found thrash, you know, now, now here's anthrax and okay, that's Metallica, but I don't really love Metallica. What about something a little like more brutal? I was like, well, there's Pantera. So I started getting into Pantera and then I started like backing off of the metal and getting more and more into like the the punk and the hardcore. So, and that was like kind of finding stuff that was a little outside of the time. Like I, as I backed off of the, of like Pantera, it was kind of more of, um, Gorilla Biscuits, Minor Threat, um, things like that, which I know that the, the time for that had passed, but that was my introduction to it. I was like, if I'm going to start, I'm just going to start at the beginning, you know? So I did. Right. I just asked some kids, like, hey, what, what do you recommend? Like old, like old hardcore, old punk. And Sex Pistols was always recommended, but I didn't like that. It was just a little too snotty for me. I was like, I kind of want it more fun, you know? So Gorilla Biscuits was amazing. Um, Dead Kennedys I loved. Um, and then from there, it just kind of spread out, you know, horizontally. And I was finding just more, more stuff that the, the major nodes of it were, uh, Rage Against the Machine for sure. Um, you know, when I found out about Rage Against the Machine, I was like, this is, this is just my shit. This is, this is like rap and the right kind of punk for me, you know, cause I knew, I knew of Inside Out and Zach was from Inside Out. And I was like, this is like perfect. This is the the punk vibe that I need. Plus, it's like rap. I was like, I I don't need anything else. So I just I listen to Rage Against the Machine forever, you know, and just kind of, you know, I would find bands off of them. And then grunge, I got into grunge when that era started up. So, right, that whole mixture. Yeah. I lo- like. I mean, Rage Against the Machine was huge for me as well. But like, I remember when you like, I got into Rage and then you know found out about Inside Out later because mm-hmm. obviously, like, that's you know usually what happens when you're 12 or whatever. Right, right. But I remember my head being cracked open where it's like, wait, 
there was a band before Rage Against yeah. the Machine. Like it just didn't. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? It's it's, it's especially sense. because you like. It, I remember f- when I found out that like a, a a popular singer had fronted another band. It was like finding out that like a brain surgeon used to be a car mechanic. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> totally. This is two totally different things. You can't do this, but this guy did this. And then it was just like, right. I just admire him so much. Oh, I agree. And then you're just like, how is this even possible when you're, you know, mm-hmm. you, you make this EP as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yep. still has resonance, it's, you know, some 20, 30 years later. It's, it's so still, crazy. It's still amazing. Yeah. He's, he's a hero. Yeah. Man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you were, you know, go to school and like, did you care about school? Yeah. Did oh, you, yeah. you yeah. Know, play sports? Studious. Yep. Very studious. Okay. Um, I was just a people pleaser. Uh, honestly, like. I really just sure. wanted to make my parents happy with my grades. I wanted to make the the you know the the jocks happy with my soccer playing, you know, because that was the sport I played. I wanted to make you know the musicians happy by joining band and stuff. I mean, I really just like I liked all that stuff and I could do it. Um, and I really didn't. I don't know. I just kind of floated around and just was friends with everybody. I, I like I said, it, it was more people pleasing than actually having an identity. But the music was what made me feel like, okay, I have an identity. I have a personality, and underneath all the, the soccer playing, and underneath all the instrument playing, and underneath all the reading, like I'm I'm like a hardcore punk kid. You know, that was that was the baseline of it all. But there was only right. two or three people in my school that really were into it, so. You know, we would skateboard on the weekends and stuff, but I was never like, I don't know, I didn't drink or anything. I was straight up through high school, so it was never like compromising my grades for anything. That My grades always came first, for sure, which right. doesn't right. sound too cool, but I don't know. No, it helps. Well, I, I, I do think there's this really interesting, um, I guess, through line that I've seen for people's music, and I'm sure that you can attest to this as well, where it's like, when there is this application of like, okay, either I'm like into English or I've read a lot or mm-hmm. whatever, like there's just certain elements that come through almost through osmosis with a person's lyric writing where you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, like they're thinking about something a little bit deeper right. or they're articulating it. Like, you know, I, one of my, fa- and I'm sure people have shared this with you many times where it's like one of my favorite lyrics that you've ever wrote was like, you know, I have a very expensive pen yeah. <laughs> and like that just like, it just cuts right to it. Yeah. And it was like, I feel like that, I was like, that was probably only written by a person who was like reading a lot of books and a book nerd. Yeah. Like, and you just yeah. kind of see it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That, that, you know, it was always kind of these like winks to, uh, intelligentsia of like, Hey, if you get this reference or if you, if you understand this word without having to, you know, look it up, then this song's for you sort of thing, you know, but it wasn't very rewarding because like I said, it was just a lot of, um, a lot of head, not a lot of heart, but I mean, it, it was fun. It was really fun to put these songs together, like puzzles, and try to, you know, do yeah. do something different than had ever been done before. You know, in that in that small scene, it just feels yep, really wild. Sure. It just fe- it feels crazy to to because like, okay, I, I, this might go off on a tangent, but my my Please. daughter is uh, she's turning eight next week, and she's she loves the emo aesthetic. And I don't know what the exactly the emo aesthetic is, but I know that I was there when it started. Right. You know what I mean? It's like totally. yeah, like oh oh, so you you're gonna wear what a Sunny Day Real Estate t shirt or like you know right? But she she to her it's something so different, it, and it's crazy to think that all this stuff that's like 
has just blown up in the mainstream fashion world and is now like on target, you know, ads just started from a little scene of punks and, you know, playing music in basements that we were literally on the forefront of. I mean, that's crazy to think that we were there like when a lot of so much of that stuff started. And it's 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 going to be mind blowing to see what happens in the next like five years, alone 10 years where this stuff goes, because it's only going to get bigger. It's only going <laughs> to encompass a greater swath of, of uh, the demographic of kids. I mean, it's just going to be remarkable. So yeah, I, I just feel like t- to have been tuned into that stuff so early, I'm just so thankful for, because it really, really kind of just, it absolutely shaped my path, like down to, you know, the pr- precise, razor razor thin line it's merch time baby you know that rockabilly.com is the place where you can visit their website shop to your heart's content and use the promo code 100 words or less and that gets you 10 percent off of your entire order what i love about this company independently owned and operated ships from the midwest here in the united states of america and they carry a wide variety of officially licensed merch. So, you know, you're looking for a Bring Me the Horizon shirt? Boom, no problem. How about Beatles? Got it. How about Eminem? Grateful Dead? The list can go on and on, and you will be able to find something for everybody on your list, whether it's a birthday, whether it's Valentine's Day, all of those things. That's, it is, uh, you know, it's imperative that you give a gift. So why not go to rockabilly.com, use the promo code 100 words or less, it gets you 10% off your entire order. It is a win-win scenario. I win because you order and using the promo code and it shows marketing works. You win by getting rad pieces of merch. And then on top of it, you're supporting a cool independently owned company. So thank you very much, Rockabilia, for your continued support and order from them. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one really matter to you and two, Try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp. Because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you. And they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist. And if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. But you hit the nail on the head where it's like it's so interesting to watch how these things have you know permeated through culture. But it's like I, I often reflect on that too where it's like, now this, you know, scene, broadly speaking, mm-hmm. has had 
time to permeate mm-hmm. like yeah. you know when we whatever when we got into it mm-hmm. it was you know like 20 30 years and now it's like you know 50 years and like that gives you time to see different generations yep. and how it affects them yeah you you're we're gonna you know i, I my wife and i saw uh, an old lady i mean old like 70 or 80 with neck tattoos the other day and we're like whoa we're gonna start seeing that a lot totally it's gonna start happening that's because that was that that's that's us that's our you know like that's those are the our parents when we were getting into it and you know i know i know kids that got their parents into it and their parents were getting tattoos because they thought it was cool that their kids were doing it you know what i mean and and so it kind of they kind of like bounced it back a generation before moving it forward and it's like wow that's actually going to happen and i have a kid that i a kid a guy that i went to shows with that was my roommate you know when i was 17 years old and his son is 27 i'm like dude what this is fucking crazy <laughs> this is crazy but i i i uh i don't know man i'm like i said i'm just thankful to have been on the ground floor looking at it yeah oh absolutely and you know, I know that as you were, you know, going to Home of the Hits and mm-hmm. dropping mm-hmm. your fourteen bucks to buy your grilled biscuit yep. CDs and stuff yep. like that. Yep. And I know that you play, like, you know, you played in a terrible grudge cover band or whatever. Yep. I, my words, not yours. <laughs> um, and it was like when you started to like get up on stage mm-hmm. and obviously be in front of people. I know that you were. Um, not shy Mm -hmm. from that perspective, like you felt comfortable enough to do it. Um, Was there any, I guess, learning curve in that? Like once you started to play every time I die shows and be like, oh yes, like, you know, this is how you quote unquote command a room or whatever. Oh man, it was just this insanely um, baseless overconfidence because I was so terrified, but it was just like, there's, I can't go backwards. There's nothing to it, but to do it, I just have to walk up on stage and do it, you know, and try to project myself forward and, and imagine what people would say looking back on it. And it doesn't, it, it didn't, it didn't keep me in the present as much as I would have liked it to have, um, to really feel the experiences. But if I could like psychically, like, like I said, like imagine what people would say next week about the, every time I'd eye show that they saw right now, what would I want them to say? And it was like, as long as they don't say that I threw up and passed out, you know, anything other than that, right. I'm good. And then so all of a sudden the pressure would come off. I'd be like, I just, I just have to finish the show, you know? And then I realized that like, oh, if I can make some, you know, making people laugh was kind of a good way to just kill time in between tuning. And that just kind of, that really helped me out was realizing that like, oh, these people kind of want to laugh sometimes. They just want to be entertained. And being entertained is a broad it's a broad stroke, you know, they, if they're laughing or they're crying or they're moshing or whatever, they just want to have a memorable time. So, um, telling right. some of the jokes and being self-deprecating definitely helped. Right. <laughs> and I, and I think that especially, I mean, there were like you guys definitely as a band, broadly speaking, you in, inspired a reaction. Like people either got you and they embraced you or they were just like, mm-hmm. dude, just total, like, you know, egotistical yeah. idiots or whatever. Yeah. Like, and so I, I think because of that, like that is able to at least, you know, hit on the core yeah. of why people create art in the first place. And I knew, you know, I, 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 it really never struck me that it would be seen as egotistical because I was not an egotistical person. And I think that um, maybe once the internet came around and I realized that that was an opinion that was floating out there, I was like, oh, it hurt because I was like, well, they don't know me. The, 
And I, I, th- I was like, it's absurd because if they knew me, they would just realize how wrong that is. But unfortunately, they don't know me and they're not going to be able to know me. So w- the only way to, to kind of convey that it's not that is by being self-deprecating, you know. So that became a huge, huge defense mechanism to almost just annihilate the idea that anybody could call me an, uh, a narcissist or egomaniac or anything that, because it was it was it was for, it was a play like i wasn't actually i didn't actually feel that way i i was right. putting that on i didn't I, of course i didn't believe i was like scott wyland i was in a basement in front of 10 people like i don't i'm not so delusional that i i can act like you know a guy who plays arenas like the, the joke is that i i'm just out of my mind thinking that it's bigger than it actually obviously is so overlooking the obvious was i thought obvious but it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like guys you you really aren't that cool you're yeah. playing you know again to, but i'll know, tell you what room. It's there, like, yeah. Yeah. there's a there's a funny story though one time in uh in 2003 we were playing we went and we played in virginia i think it was and um two people showed up to the show i'm not lying like two okay maybe three people showed up to the show and i was like right. well this this i'm like this is a real a lightly peppered crowd. I'm like, it's going to be embarrassing when, you know, you guys are the only ones that you could say you saw us and we're on OzFest next year. And I, that was a joke. And I got the three people to laugh because obviously we weren't going to get on OzFest. But then we got on OzFest, you know, so it, <laughs> so it actually worked out. You're like, whoops. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to actually call that shot. <laughs> right, exactly. Because the, then like, it made it look like I was being egotistical. But I was trying to of be, course. You know, I was trying to joke about the fact that we weren't going to, ever do it but then we ended up doing it i was like fuck now they probably think i'm serious right right um i know like as you were probably bringing this stuff home and you know especially once you and your brother obviously played in the same band like how were your parents reacting to you being into this stuff that was ostensibly you know even though they were maybe you know progressive Mm-hmm. minded people as far as hippies were concerned were they like oh my god what is keith getting into like this is so weird um yeah a little bit of it i just think because it was just so the antithesis of what i was going to school for and i had just finished up my teaching degree and i i invested all this work into i put all my eggs in one basket where i was going to go be an english teacher and then i was just like threw the fucking basket out the window. I was like, nah, I'm going to go on tour. You know, so there was like a, what, what? Like, you just did all of this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but it's not really what I want to do, you know? So kind of, they understood that. And then it was just, um, I don't know. I it, Then it was never really talked about that. It was just kind of like, you know, I'd come home from tour and be like, like, it, like I was just coming home from a, a, a work shift, you know? It was, I, I think they liked <laughs> yeah. it in the sense that it got them like some, some, to meet some cool people, you know, during, during the journey. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it never really was a point of contention between us at all. That's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Did you, uh, I was actually going to ask about the teaching stuff. Did you actually ever step inside the classroom, like get your credential or yeah. was that? So, yeah. Th- okay. I, so, um, when I was at the university of Buffalo, they had this, um, this program called the teaching education Institute, which was, uh, a master's program so you had to have your bachelor's degree then you could apply to be in this teaching program and they would it would it was like on-site training like they would put you in a class and you teach and then they'd get you your teaching certificate um so i applied and like you know i, I think 15 people get 
picked and I, I was one of them. So it was cool. I got picked. I got to teach at my old high school. Um, so I did that for half a semester and then for the other half I, I taught at a different school. But then at the end of that, you know, I had all the, all the credentials and they're like, okay, here's this, here's a job. Do you want to go to Boston? And I was like, what? No, <laughs> I'm going to her. So that's, uh, that's where I left. Right. Oh, would you ever entertain the idea of, uh, you know, being a teacher again? Fuck or no. That, uh, fuck no. Fuck no, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. I've seen All right. what, I've seen what classrooms are now. No. Good, yeah. You're like, not, not, good not interested the gun. at all. I'm not, I'm not good enough for the gun. Right. It, it is interesting. And I'm sure you've encountered people, you know, on your tours and travels where it's like, there, there is that pipeline of, you know, a hardcore punk kid mm-hmm. turning into a teacher or being a sub like mm-hmm. in between tours and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I do find that parallel interesting because it is mm-hmm. an element of entertaining. Oh, yeah. You know, totally. you getting in front of a classroom. Yep. I when I was doing it, that's kind of like, you know, what I was relying on. I mean, it was very similar in a lot of respects because we were playing shows at the same time, but we just hadn't really gone on our first big tour yet. Um but yeah, it was, you know, like, okay, I'm standing up in front of a classroom. I have to get these kids to relate to me. It's the same thing as standing on a stage in front of, you know, except up here, I don't have a band behind me. At least, at least over there, I have people making noise, you know, in the classroom I'm by myself. It was a little more uh, harrowing, but um, I loved it. I just, I can't do it. The times, times have changed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So as you started, like you mentioned, you know, you kind of hitting the ground running relatively quickly with every time I die, as far as like, you know, going on tour and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, How did you, I I know this is probably like a loaded question in regards to the idea of like, how did you cope with the attention? Um, You know, like as you started to be like, I mean, I remember the first time you guys came out West where it was like, Oh, like people really care about this band already. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) And was it, uh, you know, I, I know it's an ev- you know, the, it's an evolving process as you start to like understand that. But you know, yeah. did you was it exciting initially, and then obviously morphed into something else? Um, I, I, it sounds strange, but um, I, attention embarrasses me. You know, I really don't like being looked at. You know, that's and that's the band made sense because there's other people in the band, there's other people to look at, there's other distractions and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, when we got off off stage, it was just like I just kind of wanted to just drink and hang out with like one or two dudes and you know then go to bed i i never really it never really made sense to me i didn't because if it was always like if if you like me for for this then you don't know me and then i can't trust you so i don't want to be around people i don't trust so i mean there's it's all there is to it and, and once the internet came around it was even more of like i can't even i can't subject myself to the the opinions of, of people that I don't know and trust. I mean, there's, it's, it's so easy just to just get cut down or get caught up in a lot of internet drama. And, um, I didn't want any of that to happen to us. I had seen it happen to other bands and it, it wasn't good. You know, we had seen bands just get like literally jumped, um, after shows for some things that happened online. Saw you know, we heard about bands getting like their stuff set on fire or stolen. And I was like, I just want to survive this. And, you know, if that means that I just have to go sit in a van and drink by myself, then so be it, you know? Um, so that was all right. But I I was just always nice to people. You know, I was never, never rude or disrespectful or anything. I just, um, I just really had to, I really had to to tread cautiously because I I just had trust issues with everything. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That, that idea, especially too, like, 
most people presume that if you're in a band, there is an element of, you know, ego and <coughs> celebrating yourself. But then there, like you said before, it, there is that connection of like, I'm kind of playing a version or a character of myself. Yeah. Like this isn't actually me. Right. And sometimes people can't separate those. Two yeah. Things. And I, and you know, it was so early on that I didn't even know what the real version was. I just knew that whatever they had just seen was not fully it, you know? So, um, there, there were pieces here and there. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable enough, like, you know, carrying out any sort of role play. It wasn't, I wasn't like LARPing <laughs> after the show. Right. Um, I just, yeah, <laughs> totally. I just wanted to kind of be by myself where I didn't really have to prove anything to anybody. Right. The idea of like, like you were mentioning, you know, drinking a load of the van. Mm -hmm. Um, when did you, uh, when did you give up the edge, so to speak? Uh, senior prom. Senior prom. <laughs> oh, I was I was about to say there's probably a good story usually attached. To, like if a person actually claims straight edge, yeah. then there's usually is a, a fun story. Yeah, attached I, I to claim it. straight edge. I uh, I took acid at my senior prom. Um, <laughs> Dude, that's that's pretty <laughs> gnarly awesome. for the first. It was awesome. Yeah. I went hard. Yeah, um, and then I went to college. I went to Virginia Tech, and you know, straight edge till college. So I got there, and I. Um, I don't know. I just fucked around with alcohol and really started. It wasn't a problem yet, though. Um, then I moved home and started the band, and uh, th that's when drinking became like, okay, I kind of, right. I'm going to need to do this. <laughs> that's what it enabled you. I need to right. do this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I I got to use this thing called a coping oh, mechanism. Yeah. And, yeah. This is a yeah. Have you guys ever heard of escapism? It's really awesome. You don't have to accept anything. Um, but, right. Yeah. yeah. Live, live in a constant state of, um, you know, like that. Totally. Yeah. And just like that idea, like anybody that's ever toured, it's like a suspended state of animation. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not actually living life. No. You're just like, you know, you're breezing through it. Yeah. You're just breezing through it. And you're not really. You're not learning the lessons that life has aligned for you. You're not gaining anything from your circumstances. You're not learning anything about yourself because you're not changing because you're not facing anything, you know, any flare up of anxiety and you're running back to the bottle. But, you know, that anxiety is is there as like a, a warning sign to tell you like, hey, this is a part of you that you need to work on, you know. And so you, when you don't know those things because the alcohol numbs it, then you just are in a state of arrested development for your entire life. So, um, right. Luckily I got, I, I, I've been sober. About, I'll be, it'll be three years this Christmas, which is cool. So, Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. No, I knew that you were on the, uh, the, the sober king journey as they <laughs> I'm say. Back. And since there's no senior prom left, I have no chance of taking acid again. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you can even reclaim that. the edge, which obviously some people would uh, argue against, yeah, but you I know, will... it's okay. No, you I can... have too much respect uh, for it to ever do that to it. <laughs> That's, you know, I appreciate that. As a as a straight edge adult myself, yeah. like you know, I would have, obviously have to beat you. Up oh, hey, I get it. You'd have to set me on fire. I understand. Our friends at EvilGreed.net are here, and they want you to know, you can order vinyl, shirts, sweatshirts, whatever it is you're looking for from a very specific point of view band, and that point of view band is something that I like to call, you know, smart heavy stuff. <laughs> so let me just give you a little rundown of the type of bands that they work with, whether it's Integrity, whether it's Gouge Away, whether it's Death Wish, Triple B, the list goes on and on. But like I said, it's got to fall under that heavy music genre and specifically something that is a little bit, you know, artistic forward. But use this promo code, please. It is 100 words. It gets you 10% off your entire order. 
They ship it to you from Berlin, Germany, because that's where the company is based out of. But the shipping rates are very advantageous for us here in the States. So please take advantage while you can. Go to evilgreed.net, use the promo code 100 words, ships out to you, lickety split. I've ordered from them. I love the company. I've gotten my orders in like seven to 10 days. It's incredible. So evilgreed.net, go mess around, order all the vinyl, order all the merch and support the supportive. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It kind, of, it kind of along that same line, like there, this is definitely something that, um, you know, has been embraced by other music scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think to an element of what was happening in the, you know, early 2000s to mid 2000s, where it was like that idea of like, you know, I mean, I know like it, it's probably embarrassing for you to talk about where it's like, oh, shittydudes.com mm-hmm. was the website. Mm-hmm. And like there was that element like you're talking about of like you guys really leaning into yeah. this like character. Yeah. And you know, how, how do you, do you just reflect on it? Like with that kind of like, oh man, like we were obviously just children. We had no idea what we we're doing. Like, how does that, you know, kind of sit with you? I'm not asking you to like reckon. <laughs> no, it's, with, it's, it's, with, it's fine. It, um, it, it made sense back then. It absolutely made sense back then. Cause it, we felt yeah. shitty, you know, but we didn't, we were, we felt shitty cause we were making ourselves feel shitty. You know, it was this, this loop, um, where people were telling us that we were shitty and, you know, giving us a wink and the nudge and showing us like these merch designs with our faces as all like, you know, fucked up older people. And, you know, it was all fun and <laughs> it was all fun and games of, and it, it, it was great. And we did lean into it because, and you know, personally I did because I didn't know what I was other than. A, a guy who liked to do shitty things, you know. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, this is sure. this is perfect. I'm I'm an animal by nature, you know. So I I'll lean into this, of course. But you know, looking back, it it did make sense. That was our very first kind of stage of evolution. We were these young little organisms that had animal mindsets that you know just wanted to eat and kill and you know do whatever find whatever pleasure we could um but you know as we kind of evolved and and grew into um you know higher organisms we changed our 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 likes and our dislikes and you know i got into spirituality and i i can't imagine ever starting a shitty dude.com website again um, (laughs) totally totally it would yeah i don't think it would um be as authentic as it used to be but um, I think it's appropriate. I definitely do. I I had earned that title. We had earned that title, and um, I'm just thankful that I, I personally was able to get out of it. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The, that this is not the uh, you know the mantle that you've no, hung yourself. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. The um, and on that 
similar notion, the idea of like, you know, touring, like we were talking about, like, how was your response to touring as you first started to do it? And then, you know, how it obviously evolved once it became like that, you know, it Mm -hmm. consumed your eight to 10 months out of the year. Yeah, it was, um, you know, at first it was, it was the honeymoon phase for the first like five years. Everything was new. Everything was vivid and colorful and fun and kind. And, um, you know, it was just this beautiful experience. Um, even the bad parts I loved, you know, because I was like, Oh my God, these are like experiences, you know? And I, as a, as a dude that had enjoyed, um, certain writers, you know, squalor and poverty and alcoholism, those were like romanticized ideals for me, you know? So when we're like, you know, sleeping on people's floors and, you know, drinking all night with a, you know, dude with, I don't know, one leg or whatever. I'm like, these are, these are the stories that I'm going to love to remember. You know, the, the, I, I'm, I'm collecting these as, as we go and this is great. Um, then eventually that stuff kind of got old, you know, that country's only so big and you can only play, you know, these cities so many times before you start recognizing the same people and knowing what to expect. And this is not to disparage anything. It's just, okay, well now we know these venues. We've been here before. We know the promoters, we know the people that we're going to see. It's, it's now it's a different kind of cool. Now it's a more comfortable cool. You know, now not everything is fear-based. Not everything is so fast. Now everything is kind of like, uh, good to see you, you know, it was like old acquaintances and that's nice. It's nice to feel like you have friends all over the place. And so that was a whole different sort of beauty. Um, and then it got to the point where it's like, okay, now this is a fucking job and I need to, mm-hmm. I need to take it seriously. Uh, I need to protect my voice. I need to protect my reputation. I need to protect my future. You know, I mean, it was all these things where it was like, there's, I had too much to lose after a certain point and it stopped being as fun. Uh, off stage the the shows are still amazing and it was the only thing i looked forward to but as touring went on you know the the window of of beauty <laughs> shrunk it got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter as the the touring years went on until so it was only from when the show starts you know from when we take the stage to when we leave the stage and i hate everything after and before that you know and that was unfortunate um that it got to that point but um I don't know. I did all I could to try to get out of it. And, you know, some days are better than others. Um, but yeah, it definitely, sure. It definitely went from, like I said, a honeymoon to, a, to, to a job. Right. So like, I mean, it just like, it sounds like a different type of survival mm-hmm. where it's like, instead of the instinctual survival, it's like the, now I have to really craft my entire day yeah. around making sure that like, I literally get to next week yeah. without going crazy or and I hated, doing, I, you know, real hard. Yeah, exactly. And I, I hated the relationship that I had with time. I, um, everything to me was like doors. Do- what time are doors? Doors are at six. Okay. Well, that's when my whole mentality has to shift. I have to go from no matter what I'm doing into entertaining performing mode, whether that means I have to drink, you know, half a bottle of whatever, or it means I have to, do this or that, whatever. I knew that there was like a, a hard, hard stop at six o'clock or whatever time doors were. And so, you know, I, I would kind of, I started giving myself too much time to get to doors and then I would cut into my day and then I would stop doing things that I used to do, like taking walks because, oh no, I can't because what if I get lost and then I'm not going to make it back for doors and then everyone's going to get mad at me. You know what I mean? So it was like, I, I just, I developed this real awful relationship with, with time where my schedule became so oppressive and I, it was a self-imposed sort of bondage to it that 
I hated it. And I was always like, what would it, what, like, what would I, who would I be if I was just allowed to run at my own speed? Like, what is my speed? How fast do I walk when I'm not in a rush? You know, those sort of things. Um, you know, how, what do I like to do when I don't have to fucking do anything? And I just didn't know. And I, I asked myself those questions for fucking 10 years, you know, and I was never able to find out. And it, it got really frustrating a lot of the times, but you know, I've since found yeah. out. So. Right. No, no, it's amazing that I, I really do like the, the concept of what you're talking about where every, I mean, everybody's life is structured around time, mm-hmm. but just like this real demarcation of like, okay, here's who I can be in like what I would call a normal life. Mm-hmm. And then here's who I am yeah. that I have to transform into this other thing. So yeah, yeah. I totally. And then, so you're saying. like, okay, so what, so before six, am I myself? And then after six, I'm somebody else. Or like, so <laughs> right. can that not fluctuate here and there? Like, how do I know when to turn it on or turn it off? Like when, when should I start drinking? When should I, you know, how many energy drinks? should i have should i smoke weed this and it just became like this whole it was just a really stressful way to be where it was almost like this science experiment that i was running with my chemistry and my biology versus the universe and its time its chronology yeah oh absolutely and on that same topic like pivoting the idea over to you know i know you've obviously put out a couple of books and like mm-hmm. clearly writing has always been something that you know has loomed large in your life whether it's the lyrics or obviously putting pen to paper um the uh, when you actually put out a book mm-hmm. like did that feel drastically different than you know putting out a record or was it kind of just like a similar ish it was it, feeling. It was like a similarish feeling because, it, it, if anything, it was worse because I knew that when a record got put out, people would listen to it. Then you know, but when you put a book out, people might buy it right now, but they're not gonna fucking read it until like next month when they have you know time. So then you never know, like, hey, where's the feedback coming from? Like, do I, right. do I ask this person what they thought of the book? Because if they haven't read it yet, then I'm going to make them uncomfortable, you know, and I don't want to do that. But they haven't mentioned it, so that must mean they haven't gotten it. Well, why? What's wrong with me? You know, and then it was just like a sort of thing where it's like, you know, it just became, um, it, it really became um, insulting, I felt, to to, to try to... Um, ask people to buy a a book when they had known me for buying albums and I didn't want to do that to them you know what I mean and that's just such a weird um it's it's such a, a, a like a weird remainder from all the people pleasing that I had done my whole life where it's like I'm going to not write a book because I don't want to make you uncomfortable <laughs> you know it's like I don't want right. you, I don't want you to think that I'm like this guy like you know, that I can, I'm spinning all these plates and whatever I do, you got to buy just because you like my band. Like, that's not true. If you don't like literature, then don't buy the book. It's okay. And, and, but yet people who only like literature and don't like the band probably aren't going to hear about the book. So now I have to just entirely depend on this very small demographic of every time I die fans. And those are the ones that might buy the book, but the ones that actually read it, now that's even smaller. And then how do I know what they think about it? I'm not going online and Googling myself. That's just that, I mean, I've never done that and I never will do that. So I, I don't know. I don't know how the response of the book was. I could tell you this. I don't know how many copies it sold. I have no idea. It was just something I loved to do. And then when it was done, it just felt really like, that's it. Like, that, yeah, the, that, that, that was that. All right. It. Cause you can't, yeah, there's no, there's no tour to go on. I mean, I, I spoke at a few 
bookshops, and that's great. I, I do love doing that. But you know, as it, to compare it to to the music, it, it's just it's apples and oranges, and um, it was not a, it was not a delicious apple at all. I'll tell you that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's a, it's, this is an apple that you're going to eat across uh, two years. Yeah, exactly. Very, very tiny bites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to hit on uh, many eyes, obviously, because that's, you know, ostensibly the reason why we're here. Sure. Um, the, you know, it, it seems like everything that has kind of happened to you post every time I die, like has just been, you know, kind of like stuff that happens to you mm-hmm. not saying that you're not manifesting these things or doing mm-hmm. it but like because you're so concentrated on your fact that you want to be present for your daughter mm-hmm. or your sobriety and then like people have to pull you in these directions where it's like hey keith have you thought about this mm-hmm. you're like oh no i haven't yeah and it sounds like that's obviously when jamie jostic i mean you always answer the phone with jamie jostic yeah, calls, you obviously. That phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right no no matter no matter what it's like oh one in the morning like clearly it's a good idea that jamie has yeah, yeah. um <laughs> it, and so would you, I guess, characterize that? Like, does that sound accurate as far as like things, you know, happening to you where it's like, oh, wow, I didn't think that I really wanted to like mm-hmm. be in a band until yeah. the idea presented itself. That's, uh, yes, that's absolutely true. But I will say this in, in when everything went down and I knew that it was the end, I was very excited because for the first time in my life, I was going to, I was going to find out what came to me as opposed to what I had to go after. Because my entire life, I chased everything. I was like, you know, uh, I'm going to go after this guy, see if he's got an in with this. But, you know, if I'm trying to put a book out, I got to go after, I got to go after, I got to go after, um, you know, tours, I got to go after. Let me talk to these people, go after. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going not to uh, not just sit back, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put my energy into these things that don't reciprocate the energy necessarily. So I'm going to see what comes to me and I want to see what sort of things, like you said, happen to me. Um, so I, in the meantime, the best thing to do is just be a dad and a sober one, you know, because it's not really doing anything but existing in just a better state of being. Um, but when he called it very much felt like, Oh, this is happening to like, just like you said, it felt like, Oh, this is happening to me. This is coming to me. Um, so it must be something I have to take. That is, that can be wrong, but I was, it was very early on and I thought that whatever is coming to me, I have to take because it's like a sign from the universe. But some of those things you don't always need to take. Um, but Jamie, sure. Jamie was, um, when he, when he came to me and when he approached me about a, a band, yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa, I, I offered, like, you know, I offered to to the universe that I was going to sit back and not go after and, and wait to see what got kind of brought and delivered. But I didn't actually mean it would be like anything. Like, I didn't want to be in a band just yet. Like, I, I was really hoping there was going to be something else, something that I had never considered, you know, because in my, in my mind, I have all this time now. I have... Um, you know, uh, a clarity I've never had before. I was in a new relationship, so I had like a supportive, a wonderful, supportive relationship. I had a daughter that knew me. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to manifest something that I couldn't even dream of. And then, you know, it's wah, 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 wah. <laughs> hey, you want to be in another hardcore band? I'm like, oh, no, what? But it, it, I was like, okay, you know what? This, this is it. This, this is, I love Jamie. I've loved Jamie. It felt right because. He was like the, you know, Hatebreed was 
the one of the first hardcore bands I, I remember listening to. And um, so for it to come full circle like that, um, I, I felt like it was a good place to start. And I've always trusted him. I just knew he was on the strength, as they say. Right. Well, and I, I just like the idea that it's like, you know, there always is that idea that, you know, your band breaks up or you have like the death of one thing, mm-hmm. like, okay, I got to get up on the horse and like do it again immediately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while there is that notion of, it's just like, I mean, you know, clearly like what is happening, you know, mm-hmm. your brother's band and then like mm-hmm. your band, like people are ostensibly always going to compare the two, yeah. but like you are, you are taking this in a much like, you're just like, Oh yeah, I'm just doing this. And like, yeah, I'll play some shows and tour, mm-hmm. but like, uh, this isn't, the focal point of my life right. like this is just kind of something that i'm trying out and see where it goes yeah yeah i i do just and um the the writing style is totally different the lyric style is totally different i mean everything about this is different because i, I just i i know what everything else is like and i really like now that i have like i said the clarity and a good support system uh, i i really just want to to try to see if different approaches work better because every other approach i took i took while I was under, you know, under the influence of something in one way or another, even if I wasn't directly drinking while writing or whatever, I, I was still a, a dry drunk. You know, I was an alcoholic for a long time, but I'm not anymore. So I, I can trust my instinct a little better now. Um, so yeah, the the writing's different. Everything just feels different. It feels better to me, and it's it's moving slower. And that's just something I've never been used to. I've always been like energy drink guy you know like i gotta get up i gotta right. get up i gotta run errands i gotta fucking do this i gotta go do this i gotta do this and now it's like you know slowly get up and like i said i found out my my speed i found how slow i walk naturally when i'm not in a rush to get anywhere and my whole life moves like that now so um the band is moving like that and it just feels like it's letting it letting it grow letting it unfold at its own pace it feels like it's actually coming into picture a lot more vividly you know yeah well and i'm sure too like it, it, this could hit on the last question i was going to ask you uh, as far as like your relationship with the business of music mm-hmm. i mean clearly you've been able to you know make a living off of you know playing in a hardcore band which is like such a funny thing to say mm-hmm. because like, yeah. you know like yeah, it's crazy. At, at one point that was like never even right you know thought of right. um in regards to how bands could operate but like how, how was your relationship with the, you know, the business side of things? Like obviously once every time I die started to hit mm-hmm. and you guys obviously had to have, you know, a business manager, a manager. Yeah. And like, you know, did you always kind of keep that at arm's length or did you enjoy aspects of it? What was your relationship? With um, I, I had, um, I just kind of claimed again, plausible deniability of like, look, I don't need to know how all this shit works. This is a a punk rock, hardcore band. We've always been that we didn't have a manager at the beginning. If there is a manager now, that's fine. I don't need to know what he does. I don't need to know how much we pay him. I don't care. Like I'm assuming we have a team so that I don't have to think about how much we pay a team, you know, like I don't want (laughs) shit. I don't care about that. I just want to be try to be as present as possible and put on a good show. Um, but that was really stupid, um, to be honest. I mean, it was really stupid of me. And I know that I, there's, I made a lot of mistakes in just letting things unfold and putting trust in people that hadn't earned it. Um, so now I, I, I'm really cautious about where my energy goes. And, and um, you know, I, I definitely only surround myself with, with very positive, loving people. Um, 
and you know it's it's my relationship with the industry as a whole has been marred but i do feel like this will be a nice way to get back into the 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 calmer waters of it and remind myself that it's not all terrible right (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's not all terrible no i mean like you know a portion of it is always going to be terrible but you know you can avoid the business i'm just not i'm just not business minded you know and it's like i I just i I cringe when i when i have to have talks about money i just i'm fucking i get all tense and i'm like this is just not for me like can anyone please speak the language that i don't speak um but i had to really just face it and learn to speak the language and like as much as i hate it like i said those places where you think are the most anxious that's where you have to go because that's where the lesson is so i had to really adapt uh to a new band and learn how to like okay i'm I'm gonna do this right from the beginning this time and not just wait until i make a bunch of mistakes and then fix them later on like no i'm gonna i'm gonna do this all right from the beginning Right, right, and you know that you're still like making mistakes oh, right yeah, now. As absolutely, well. like yeah. I mean, I said, I said, I said, dead. You just guy. make less of it. I said, dead guy. Yeah. I meant to say drowning man. <laughs> I'm still making mistakes. I'm human, dude. And that's exactly, and that's that's why we have friends that can you know tell us irrelevant yeah. facts about bands, and like we should be like, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah I know what you're fine. talking about, it but I just want to. Yeah, because I think I want to make sure that the audience knows exactly. Yeah, and you know what? People are a lot more forgiving than than you'd expect. I I have discovered that people are a lot more forgiving. Yeah, and especially too, like when you have put yourself out there and you have put your you know your art out there, mm-hmm. whether it's you know books, movies, any piece of media, as it were. Mm-hmm. It's like there are people that will. Like, yes, of course, there's always, you know, drama that exists, like you mentioned on the internet, mm-hmm. and people are going to, you know, cast dispersions one way or another yeah. on whatever a person's putting out there. But to your point, when you are kind of just like, I'm just doing the work here. Yeah. Like, I- I'm just putting this out here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to follow it. That's totally fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, Keith, I really appreciate you hanging out on this uh, beautiful Friday. But uh, yeah, thanks. It was nice catching up and thank you for uh, doing this. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. There you have it. That was Keith. And uh, what a a thoughtful dude, right? I just really am an admirer of his lyrics, an admirer of all the stuff that he's put out there, including Many Eyes. I think you, uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to it, you let this conversation push you in that general direction. There's a link in the show notes. You can check it out and check them out on tour with Thursday and Rival Schools. Thank you very much to Keith for obviously doing this and his publicist, Stephanie, for hooking this idea up. Let's talk about what's happening next week. I have Chris Norris from Combat Wounded Veteran. He's also known as Steak Mountain in the art worlds, and uh, he's a very prolific designer. And he's done a lot of cool stuff. So him and I started corresponding on Instagram. And I was like, you know what, Keith, not Keith, you know what, Chris, how about you come on the show? So that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.